Welcome to the Breakwater Podcast. In this episode, we hear from County Board Member Vicki Shorsey about why she thinks legalizing marijuana is a big mistake. Vicki reached out to share her thoughts after the first article in our Navigating Cannabis series was published. This happened to be on the heels of Councilman Aaron Wojciechowski's article in the Herald about wanting to decriminalize marijuana in the city of Oshkosh as the statewide push to legalize marijuana was quietly drifting off our news feeds. You can catch up on what Councilman Wojciechowski wants to accomplish in episode 20 and get a picture of what happens now with DA Gossett in episode 17. Vicki is strongly opposed to legalizing marijuana, open to decriminalization, and supportive of medical marijuana in very specific ways. To hear more about why and what that means, keep listening. Vicki is up next. Vicki, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good morning. Well, I am fine. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. So, Vicki, would you mind introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do for our listeners? Very good. Well, my name is Vicki Shorsey, and um, I am currently a member of the Winnebago County Board of Supervisors. Previously, I had a 45-year career uh, in healthcare administration and charitable foundation management. And during that time, and why I'm interested in this topic, I've worked with a variety of organizations on programs to address challenges of people who were not able to meet their basic living needs, um, adequately care for their children, or function in society due to underlying addiction, predominantly alcohol and drugs and or mental health issues, of course, which go hand in hand. Um, And at the, when I first left my position to retire and going to do a little consulting, um, I spent some time watching the National Geographic series called Drugs, Inc. And it was a powerful um, opportunity for education and impacted me tremendously in terms of paying attention to what was going on in our communities and, and in our country around the, the whole issue of drugs. So I'd, I'd encourage you and any of your listeners to, to take time to really look at that because we are going through a change and it's uh, definitely accelerating in our country. And from what I've seen in my experience with working with um, people who need help, it is something that could lead to a great decay. And that's why I think this is a very, very important to- topic to um, consider, especially when we're talking about making changes to existing laws. Yeah, and you and I got connected through Karen, one of our steering team members and um, publisher at the Ashkash Herald. And you had reached out to her to share your thoughts on the potential legalization of marijuana after the first article in our Navigating Cannabis series was published. And that article was primarily about decriminalization and legalization. And we wanted to have that article specifically in there, that topic, because legalization and decriminalization are terms that often get used interchangeably when they're, in fact, not the same thing. And what you had reached out about was really just sharing, you shared another article, a Newsweek article about 
the the consequence of legalizing marijuana and that you were very strongly opposed to the idea. Could you share with us a little bit more about why you're so strongly opposed? Well, uh, because of the consequences. And again, every time um, we, we relax our laws around things that are involved with addiction, it has a social consequence. And um, so I think it's people, you know, will laugh about legalizing marijuana like, oh, you know, no big problem. And I am a product of the 60s and 70s. So I'm not naive about uh, what goes on. But um, marijuana, for instance, has changed dramatically. It's, it's not your mother and dad's pot. Um, it has changed dramatically, and we have seen, we are seeing the devastation of, of drugs in our society, and homelessness is a big mental health issues. It's, it's just a huge topic, and it is not something to be taken lightly. Uh, decriminalization, it, that's complicated, too. Um, and, and certainly, you know, if you got, if you're in high school or college and you got wrapped up in a, a situation, um, you know, we might talk expungement and those kinds of things. That's not the issue, but moving down the path to, um, to, uh, legalization or decriminalization is a huge topic, especially if you start getting involved with people who sell drugs, you know, the sources of illegal drugs. Yeah, definitely a big issue and a conversation that everybody in the community should be involved in. Um, and let's talk public policy for a minute or policy mm -hmm. for okay. a minute. Um, whether it's a city ordinance decriminalizing marijuana like the one Councilman Wojciechowski is pushing for or state or federal legislation that legalizes marijuana for recreational use, how does public policy impact us and why is it important to think through it strategically, not only from a political leader standpoint, but also as a community member. Well, um, and again, I'll, I'll focus more on community health because that's my area of knowledge, you know, of understanding. And one of the things we've come to know, um, and we've had speakers come to the community uh, years ago to talk to us about how policy, public policy impacts health status in communities. And there's, uh, there um, is a lot of good research out there that underscores uh, this truth. And so we know that community health is significantly affected, um, either positively or negatively, by policy and social culture. And in fact, uh, one of the speakers, a special um, expert from the University of Wisconsin, Madison uh, was was a speaker at a program we sponsored, and he said all the billboards in the world won't do you any good, um, and and like it is in your home, uh, you know your your culture, your values, your behaviors, that's what it's about, and that's what will change uh, the culture of your community in in a positive way or a negative way. Um, so they're, you know, for instance, putting in bike lanes, <laughs> that's just a very simple, um, example, but just things that we do at, on a public level, public policy level do have an impact on, on our outcomes in terms of community health. 
So we've spent vast resources. And if you look at it on a macro level, we have spent, you know, huge amounts of resources encouraging healthier lifestyles. And we've fought uh, big tobacco. Now vaping is, you know, is the thing and all of the problems that go with that. And then illegal pharma, of course. And then Ironically, though, only to be willing to consider further opening the social gates to another no- notorious destroyer of lives. So I, I just, I mean, I'd laugh if I, you know, but I, it makes me want to cry instead because I, I just don't understand why. And I, whenever I approach a, um, uh, a subject, I always ask why. What are the motivators? And I, and I know, I think I know now after uh, research. So public policy and laws around recreation or therapeutic use of marijuana affect rates of substance abuse and related public health issues. And we cannot ignore that. It is a fact. And um, so I think that, you know, as leaders, it's not just listening to constituents um, and who, you know, for their own personal reasons, want to legalize or decriminalize. Um, uh, it's, you know, we, we have to look at the full impact. And again, as a, someone who worked in the health system and someone who is um, uh, an elected official, many times when the fallout occurs in families, in individuals, in families, kids are damaged, people come to us asking for everybody else <laughs> to pay you know, for things to be fixed. And so we can't ignore that fact that there is a great social cost to some of our decisions. And certainly in um, the area of uh, marijuana, there is a great social cost. So you mentioned like the underlying motivator or or the Mm -hmm. underlying reason for why or answer to why there is a push to legalize or why some states have already chosen to legalize in your opinion. And based on what you've read and researched, why do you, what, or what do you believe the why is, or what do you believe that motivator is? Well, I always say, if you want to get to the truth, follow the money, (laughs) right? (laughs) And no matter what anyone tells you, you have, you, you will know what's going on and motivations by following the money. And I think that is especially true with the marijuana issue. Um, and, uh, and why do you think the issue is gaining traction, right? So there have been macroeconomic forces going on for quite a few years now that have impacted government tax and other revenue streams. And all of the major economic sectors have been adjusting to these changes. First, it was private sector um, I was in the not-for-profit sector. Um, healthcare was heavily impacted and is still being impacted. And now it's government's turn. It's the public sector's turn um, to adjust to a changing economic environment. Um, I, I have fun trying to explain this to my 88-year-old mother. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you have to have revenue to pay for whatever it is you want to do. Um, so government is next in line to reevaluate, reevaluate what they do and how they do it. And they're, um, one of the solutions that have, um, have been uh, identified by some politicians 
and got, and just beyond beyond the uh, politicians is the revenue promise of marijuana sales, right? So that's a big factor that's a driver. Um, and uh, many elective elected officials see marijuana tax revenue as a way to avoid, in my opinion, the disciplines of good management to align revenue with expenses. And it's not easy. Very painful. I lived it. You know, I, uh, I you know, it was right in front of me <laughs> but it the, our economy has changed and anybody who really thinks about um, their personal life and and then their their professional life knows we're in a changed economy um, there's another faction and I won't name names but a local uh, politician elected official said well you know uh, it does create jobs uh, and you, if you look at the impact, social impact of of the this of using marijuana, um, it's significant. So if you look in the addiction and social services, you know all of the human services get impacted, and it does create jobs. It also creates higher taxes, I might add. So um, that that was int- I was shocked. Uh, obviously, I was shocked when I heard that. And uh, I went. I kind of reflected back to the arguments for allowing gambling in Wisconsin, and um, I always ask people, "So, what impact has allowing gambling in Wisconsin had on your property taxes?" And uh, it's minimal. And so there's always a social cost. And I think that we can't. Uh, I hate to say it, but I I don't trust that you know it, that the money will actually go to you know, schools or, you know, some of the promises are made that are made. Um, it, so it's not about you, the taxpayer. That's what we need to realize. And then uh, one of my favorite quotes was from a Denver area school super, superintendent in a newspaper article on the effect of marijuana legalization in Colorado. This is a classic, classic quote. Um, uh, and in Colorado, they promise to direct any tax revenue to the school systems, right? And he said, the only thing we've seen in schools as a result of legalization is more marijuana. And there is a direct correlation between heavy use of marijuana or regular use of marijuana and re- um, uh, reduction in school performance. I mean, it's clearer than clear in the research out there. So, uh, and, and again, think about your, the um, um, gambling and in Wisconsin and how that's affected you personally um, as a taxpayer. Not so much. So um, other, other sectors, and I just heard this and then I read it again, um, but tobacco, you, you know, and I've said that from the beginning, you know, if it... Um, if we get to a point where all, the majority of states or if the federal government uh, gets on board, and keep in mind that the feds need tax revenue too, and the fact that they have not just clamored to get on board with this tells me a lot. So it's not just what I read through the National Institutes of Health and the Drug Alliance, um, but I just look at it from a practical standpoint. They would have been all over it if it wasn't very problematic. And um, uh, agriculture, and again, uh, farming, converting to 
you know, that product. I know the tribes. I read something in, uh, of late, and I think they're looking at it. Um, and then current growers and shop owners. Uh, but I have this theory, and that's just my opinion, is that um, if it is legalized to, on a grand scale in our country, all of those small guys, you know, who think they're going to make a living off of it are going to be run right over by the big corporations. And, um, and just think of what, how much time and effort and money we spent tackling the tobacco companies. And, um, and, and marijuana is late, you know, they're, we're doing more good research now. And there is a link, you know, it's the same as smoking cigarettes. And uh, in terms of, of uh, that kind of lung health and heart health. So um, it's in the it's the money, and that's what's pushing all of this. Um, and interestingly, we dealt with this issue um, uh, at the Winnebago County Board twice now. We've done this twice to um, you know to try to get input from the community about whether it should be legalized or not. And um, in both of those cases, very few local citizens came forward to support it. But we had people coming up from uh, marijuana organizations from other parts of the states to try to convince us that we needed to support this. And that was something that concerned me was um, what was happening in the last several years is one of the political parties was trying to use the county board and the city council, and now the city council, um, to leverage state um, state law because they were getting nowhere at a state level in Wisconsin. And so they were, the new strategy was to try to embed um, their people on county boards and city councils so they could leverage the, the uh, state law. So we were, you know, I was one of the people who said, this isn't even in our jurisdiction. Why aren't you talking to your state legislator? And um, so that was, it had no business being at this level. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's almost disheartening in a way that you didn't have a lot of that public input. You didn't have people showing no. up at the opportunities to offer comment or input saying, yes, this sounds like a great idea or no, mm -hmm. this sounds like a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. And you kind of answered it, but one of my questions was going to be based on what you've read and what you've seen in states mm -hmm. that have legalized, have those promises of this big economic payoff held true, which you kind of answered, at least for Colorado from the mm -hmm. superintendent's perspective, mm -hmm. it has not held true. And one of the things that, you know, as Breakwater, as a coalition, mm -hmm. as the DFC coordinator, I'm not here to say, yes, we should legalize or mm -hmm. no, we shouldn't right. legalize. But I do think it's important to have these conversations and, and think about considerations of if marijuana were legal in Wisconsin tomorrow, what would that look like for you as an individual, as a business owner? as a, an employee, as a parent, as a teacher, what would that look like for you? And we've heard examples from some people that do live in other states where it is legalized, mm -hmm. where it's like it's walking down the street, pushing my two-year-old in a stroller mm -hmm. and seeing people stand outside smoking or smelling it in the air mm -hmm. or going shopping. And there's a 
table of free samples. Mm -hmm. And if I didn't look closely to see that the THC warning on the tiny little package, Mm -hmm. you know, my child, my six, seven, eight year old child in the store with me could have grabbed one and taken it. And I wouldn't Mm -hmm. have known or by the time I realized that it would have been too late. But so it's the way that shops are able to advertise how frequent or how um, concentrated the advertising becomes in the area Mm -hmm. and all this subliminal messaging or or Mm -hmm. these things that we're taking in unconsciously then play into perception of harm, not only for adults. And and, and if you're an adult over the age of 21 and you say, you know what, I have the information I need, I'm going to make this decision for me, cool. But our interest, Breakwater's interest is if and when this does happen, let's make sure to one, show up and offer input on public policy, right? Like let's let's take the opportunity to help shape what our community looks like. And two, let's make sure that it's set up in such a way where public health and safety are top of mind. I have heard that argument and um I th- I'm going to say this, I might get in trouble for it, but (laughs) I think it's naive. And if you look at some of the other things that have been culture changers for the United States, good or bad, but it becomes embedded. Mm -hmm. And again, the push is making money. And uh, (laughs) so it's not like we're going to be able to cordon off our children and it's going to be everywhere, everywhere. And it'll be, you know, think about gummies. Yeah. And there have been kids who have had gotten into their mom and dad's gummies. Mm-hmm. And that's not good. <laughs> um, so it, it, we like to think that we can, okay, you know, we can go along and we can get the benefits. But there's a huge price to pay. And it will be part of your culture. And I don't know about you. I, I tend to prefer a sober culture. I lived, I grew up with... Um, an alcoholic father, stepfather. And I know what that means. I know the reality of, of uh, living in a non-sober uh, family. So I, th- I think that um, it is quite naive. And you think, and again, I go back to the, but why? And I also had, one of the th- things I've learned <laughs> along the way, and I had an ethics professor back in the day. That was quite a long time ago. <laughs> But I had an ethics professor, and he said, "One, you know, putting aside your 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 um, faith, and you know some of the values you may have, um, ask yourself the question: What would happen if everyone did it? And if if the answer is not good, and now some people would laugh and say, "Oh, everybody be more chill, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Well, let's see. It's what like three to five times stronger now. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, that's, uh, it's naive. I think people are very naive to think you can, you know, control the beast because you can't. What is your thought on the argument that regulation, you know, so the ability to regulate it and quote unquote control it will help minimize or reduce or prevent some of the this, the negative social impact or negative social consequences that you're talking about. And usually when this argument is is made, it's kind of connected to 
alcohol, right? So mm-hmm. alcohol is regulated. Mm-hmm. It is illegal for minors to p- possess it. It is mm-hmm. still illegal to drive under the influence. Mm-hmm. There are consequences, um, but we license alcohol retailers. Mm-hmm. There's conditions on those licenses. There's a pathway to revocation if there needs to be, you mm-hmm. know, if you have a quote unquote mm-hmm. troublemaker. What are your thoughts on that argument that regulating it will help quote unquote control the industry versus now the the black market that has no res- real restrictions or control? Well, one, there will always be a black market. Um, that that I mean, and there's technically there's a black market for alcohol for minors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, your 21-year-old brother or sister, or, you know, someone gets it to you. It's, it's the same thing with marijuana. And I, I was going to say, oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> because, um, yeah, it's, again, it, it's there. And it is going to impact a lot of people in their families. And, um, and it does now. You know, but it's it is illegal activity now, and one of the arguments that, uh, since it's on my mind, I'll say, uh, was uh, one of the people who came. In fact, it was a former sheriff who talked about the problem with kids who get themselves in trouble and then have a record and they can't apply for federal uh, grants for college, right? And and I thought about that, and and uh, you know what we do with that, and I I. Again, personal experience, I had a daughter who went through a really rough patch, and she was given some forgiveness in that process. Uh, I also held her accountable. But um, so, you know, for young people, how we deal with that. But if she would have been selling something illegal, I would have had her in jail. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, what we do with that, and we're already in terms of the police and the sheriff's um officers they're doing things they're handling things quite well so unless um you know the the situation is such that it's you know combined with some other illegal activity they're not getting charged and um so i'm going to lose my train of thought here but anyway um I'm sorry, lost my train of thought. Well, let's take that a little bit. So right now in Winnebago County, if someone is caught with a small amount or like the the amount that is typically deemed as personal use marijuana, unless it is part of some other criminal activity, some violent crime, driving under the influence, something like that, Mm -hmm. they're not getting charged for the marijuana possession. That is my understanding. Yeah, and I don't know as much about the city police officers, but I know with the county sheriff's department that is the case. Yeah. And in, in episode 17 of our podcast, we talked with D.A. Gossett, who who said something similar mm-hmm. along those lines right. of basically right. we don't charge him out or, no. or if it does get charged and we offer diversion or drug courts or that kind of thing. Um, so you, it's not necessarily making somebody a criminal, even though it is illegal at this point. That is correct. So what I'm wondering is if that's how things are currently handled in Winnebago County, in the city Mm -hmm. of Oshkosh, and again, this is just Mm -hmm. based on yours and my understanding Mm -hmm. of of what happens, and it may not be entirely accurate, but if that is the case, if that's how it's handled, would an ordinance that decriminalized personal use amounts of marijuana really have an impact? No. I don't think so. 
And um, again, the problem is, is if you're saying, you know, if you're legalizing it or decriminalizing, you know, who's providing that? So those are drug dealers. And that is very illegal. (laughs) And we want it to be. So it, you know, it's the pipeline thing, you know, it's the end user, um, uh, you know, may be somewhat innocent or naive, so you don't want to ruin their life over it. But if it, you know, the person who's providing that illegal substance, that's a whole nother story and that's a different world uh, and it is very criminal. It's a very criminal world. So, um, and even in the, you know, I know there's, they're, they're using the race card, um, in this case, but I would suspect, you know, it's the same. It doesn't matter what I wouldn't imagine. Uh, and that may be something we need to look at, you know, if we're charging, um, people of, of a different race, you know, for, um, minor offenses, as opposed to, are we charging them because, oh, oh, by the way, they're also are the seller of right. the illegal substance. Yeah, you I know think what I'm saying you can't, and you know, and, and it's it's like the the supply line, you can't really separate it too much. But certainly the offenses can be dealt with in a practical way. Um, but for you know, and I and I now remember what I was going to say, because for kids who are smoking pot, they are doing something illegal mm-hmm. at this time. Yes, and that is a conscious decision. And maybe that's where we need to focus, you know, as a, to keep them. And in uh, interestingly, in um, corporate health, one of the things the research showed was that instead of spending money on trying to get unhealthy people healthy, you spend it on the front end trying to keep people who have healthy behaviors healthy. And, you know, because what um, what they found is that it was very difficult to change behaviors once they had become unhealthy. So, um, that, and that's a lesson for us in terms of public policy as well. Spend it on the front end on, uh, you know, being, uh, having healthier behaviors, not throwing money, you know, <laughs> basically down the rat hole um, when, you know, trying to help people out of their problems it goes back to the idea that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure yes, right yes, and focus well on said. the upstream well said yeah. yeah and yeah some of those things that your grandma told you are, are true <laughs> <laughs> well they become old wise tales for a reason <laughs> yes <right>? exactly <laughs> yeah so. and, and yeah back to your other point about like how things are are charged out or or who is charged for what i think we can all agree that disproportionately charging people of color. So if you have the same scenario and a person of color gets charged and and the white person does not get charged, I don't think anybody's in favor of that. No, and, that's and that's a problem. Something that it's if, racism. Yeah. And if that is happening, yeah. that needs to be addressed and it needs to be corrected. But the conversation of decriminalization, the conversation of legalization is bigger than, than just that. That is absolutely correct. And if you watch political behavior of groups that want to insert, you know, different values into our culture, it's, it's their strategy. And it's um, making things normalized. You know, it's normalizing uh, what we have, um, 
you know, uh, what we have come to believe and are accustomed to living with. And um, it's not something I, I, I don't choose to go there. <laughs> and we'll fight like heck not to go there. You had mentioned before as well about um, like the, the, the big tobacco industry and all of the money that was mm-hmm. spent trying to kind of dismantle or take down the, the big tobacco mm-hmm. industry. And that's one of the things I've heard as well is that the cannabis industry is the next big tobacco with the big money they're putting behind marketing um, and sent lobbyists and, you know, like you said, people from other areas mm-hmm. of the state were coming up to county board meetings here to try and advocate mm-hmm. for something. Um, and I learned a lot of that through some webinars and information through the Smart Approaches to Marijuana group, I believe, Sam.org. I'll link it in the show notes mm-hmm. with the correct website. Um but what do you have any thoughts on on that or any any recommendations for resources or information that people can access if they want to learn more or kind of dig into this a little bit more for themselves? Well, you know, if corporations get involved or and even I mean, the reality is if we're doing something, a lot of us. Um, a lot of human beings feel the need to include others. It's the, the nature, it's human nature. And it's certainly true of corporations that want, want uh, to um, have profits. So um, there will be, yeah, and again, it will be embedded. It'll be, you'll see ads on TV making it look like, oh, isn't this a wonderful thing? And uh, yeah, so I, I think that is, a fear, it, and it goes from kind of a, you know, subculture, um, har- quote unquote, harmless, which we, you know, any of us who have been close to people who ha- imbibe, you know, that it's not just harmless, and um, yeah, so it is. It it will become embedded, and and the pro- profits will be. You know, regardless of who's doing it, whether it's a drug lord or it's a corporation or it's the, you know, local guy who wants to do that instead of getting a, a real job. <laughs> uh, sorry, <laughs> I'm. Um, anyway, so it, it, the the motive is profit, and and uh, getting people to think like you do. So in your opinion, what is the role of the community in this conversation and what is the role of the political leaders in this conversation? Um, Well, the role of the community is to wake up and pay attention because, um, and as a parent, if you were a parent and you know how hard it is to parent in today's world, right? Um, There are things, I mean, we do not have... Um, the tools or control that we once had because of, you know, some things that have changed. And um, so you, you better wake up. And, and you can say, my kid will never go down that path. I can tell you, and I, I, you know, my husband and I, I think, you know, we're not perfect, but we did a pretty good job. And, but there's so many other forces out there. And when kids go through that, you know, uh, disconnecting period from their, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're going to be at risk. And, and the, uh, like we've seen in some of the, um, transmitted diseases, you know, the STDs, you know, the, the stakes are higher, you know, it's not just about getting a shot of penicillin anymore. Yeah. And, um, so I, I think that you really need to be awake 
and you know we talk about woke i always kind of i chuckle but um you know you do have to pay attention and you have to look at all the research and it is plentiful now and uh, I've actually been criticized for my research <laughs> sources, but I, I kind of, you know, the NIH and the Drug Alliance, you know, I, I kind of think they're pretty good. And then I've looked at other sources as well. So, um, yeah, wake up. From a public um, servant perspective, I'm really having a hard time. And... Um, uh, I would think that any thinking political leader um, uh, who wants to open this Pandora's box um, of public policy should be questioned. And um, I can't imagine, you know, just, and again, I was, I, I had not done a lot of research. I just had kind of this general experience with um, my, you know, through my profession yeah. about, and I kept, you know, I always ask why. So whenever I boiled down the problems in society, it always boiled down to family, the family level, the in, and then the individual level, the behaviors of that person in that family always boiled down to that. So um, for you know, someone to think it would be okay with all of the evidence about why it's not okay, uh, I really question their thinking. And um, we, I see my role as a leader, and I, would ho and I know that's naive uh, that to think that everybody thinks that way, but I think we're supposed to make decisions and laws that are for the common good, uh, not a solution to mismanagement or feeding the greed, I always call them, excuse me, I, you'll probably have to edit this, but <laughs> the greedy bastards are alive and well. <laughs> um, any move to legalization cannot be construed as doing good on behalf of the people we serve. Um, we restrict behavior all the time to prevent harm. We make those decisions. You know, it's, it's like the public library, you know, and they make decisions all the time about what's on their shelves right? It's yeah. just part of why we're elected. And we have speed limits, we have seatbelt requirements, we have FDA approval, we have professional credentialing, on and on and on we go. And why is this kind of thing different? You know, why would we knowingly introduce, condone, and promote the use of something that will harm people in our society? And um, some of the things we, we do know, <clears throat> and I, I did make a list of these. Do you mind if I Not at all. go there? I, again, I'll reinstate that, um, restate that marijuana legalization is definitely a gateway political movement um, drug that is ultimately intended to achieve the goal of legalizing all currently illicit drugs. And um, there are several... In the article I sent, mm -hmm. uh, there are several states that are already going. Now we're going to the um, mushrooms. And, and again, if you look at some of the models, um, Netherlands, I, I think some people are very much in that camp. You know, if we just let people go and do what they want to do and concentrate on, you know, I don't know what, that uh, life will be better for everybody. Well, there is a social cost, of course. And... Uh, um, taxpayers will be expected to pay for it. 
Um, many uh, and then again, many of the big predators are lining up and financially financially supporting the cause. That's what's fueling what's going on now. Um, they'll watch to see if it's going to be a federal, you know, make it to a federal level. So and and that's when they'll really step in. Um, and it's about the brain. The drug itself is about the brain um, in utero uh, babies. Children and young adults um, do not fully recover lost brain function, um, but you know if there is heavy marijuana smoking involved, and um, some of the research shows that um, pregnant women are being uh, recommended marijuana, probably you know nausea control, you know who knows, but very contrary to all of the brain research, very contrary. Um, and, uh, following legalization, a Colorado's emergency rooms were busy treating first time marijuana tourists, uh, for conditions such as anxiety, paranoia, and psychotic reactions. Uh, we know that it, um, marijuana irritates the lungs and frequently creates the same breathing problems as tobacco smoking. It also raises um, heart rate for up to three hours, increasing the risk of heart attack in some people. And another research project I did <laughs> was about hospitalizations. 85% of hospitalizations in the United States can be prevented. And if that doesn't get your attention, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you talk about cost of health care and, you know, uh, so something to think about, definitely. Um, uh, long-term use of marijuana can lead to cannabinoid, uh, hyperemis. I'm not saying that right. Cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, meaning that you throw up a lot. Yeah. Um, regular cycles of severe nausea, vomiting, and dehydration, sometimes requiring medical attention. Um, initial findings on secondhand smoke indi indicate that it can do as much damage to the heart and blood vessels as secondhand tobacco. And um, those who frequently use large amounts of marijuana report lower life satisfaction, poor mental health, poor physical health, and more relationships problems. And there, um, some of the new... Um, Research is showing in regard to mental health, which is on everybody's minds <laughs> these days, um, there is definitely a correlation between heavy marijuana use and mental illness. Uh, let's see if I can find that. Yeah, um, research is showing the connection between heavy use of marijuana and severe mental illness, including psychosis. Um, average potency users are three, three times more likely to develop a mental illness. High potency users are five times more likely to develop psychosis. Although not initially thought to be a physical addi addiction risk, now diagnoses include cannabis use disorder, addiction, and often are linked to schizophrenia, anxiety, depression, and suicide. Colorado suicide rates after marijuana legalization increased 23%. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, there are lots of reasons, and, and that's why I ended up clearly in the no camp. Um, in terms of medical marijuana, um, uh, we, let's see, let me get to that. 
we already use in healthcare, as you well know, mm-hmm. um, lots of um, drugs that are would be considered illegal. Yeah, and uh, they are very unless there is an illegal activity going on, they are monitored and prescribed by a physician or another licensed provider. And um, uh, so they're controlled. And my daughter, again, was on um, Adderall for attention deficit hyperactive disorder. And we had to go to the pharmacy every 30 days, and we got 30 or 31 uh, doses, and that was monitored very closely. So we already do it for other things. And uh, marijuana use in healthcare it, research is already underway. And from my perspective, there's an established precedence and system for using controlled substances for medical pers- purposes, especially pain management. They're used widely for pain management. Uh, the difference is the medications are ordered by a physician, a licensed practitioner, and dispensed through a pharmacy with strict, uh, stringent accountability. It's a safer system than the local shop, uh, pot shop, self-proclaimed expert, um, and and is the way to move ahead and use it um, as you know as it is appropriate. Because I I know it is um, it is helpful for some people, and I do understand the last um, I found on this. There are already at least two marijuana based medications available. You may know more about that, but um, the one is for seizures in children. That was one of the big criticisms. So um, the the, uh, big pharma is responding to some extent. And the other requires research. And this is a little bit like integrative medicine Mm -hmm. um, therapies where, you know, they had been practiced, but not researched. And now we're getting research on some of the things like acupuncture and yeah. and massage and chiropractic and all those kinds of things. We know more, so we can use them more appropriately in the health system. So um, it's coming, and and I think that um, and as opposed to um, in uh, having to come up with things to deal with the consequences of of introducing legal marijuana in our society. We're better off spending it on the, the research dollars and the um, the money on the front end. So just trying to summarize, the kind of up in the air yet about decriminalization, but it needs to be, it. you feel strongly that it needs to happen in a very specific way. Very specific, yes. An absolute no on legalization for adult recreational use. Absolutely. And in favor of medical use through the controls that currently exist. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And um, I have a, a quote here I'll share with you kind of in, in uh, conclusion, but it's from David Evans, and he's uh, an attorney with the Drug-Free Projects Coalition, and I thought he said it very well. Not all, not all data is about the economics of marijuana legalization, But on balance, it would be a negative public policy for which our society will pay a great spiritual, medical, public safety, and economic cost that we can ill afford. So I think it's something that needs uh, intelligent thought and um, 
and I, you know, I, I ended up going down this, <laughs> down this path and uh, with a fairly open mind in the beginning, but now it, it just does not make sense to me. And I personally, my, my personal ethics do not allow me to support something that I know will harm another person. And, uh, and that's what, you know, it's not just about us, you know, individually, what might benefit us or, you know, we don't have to worry about getting busted for smoking an illegal pot, you know, that kind of, it's not about us, it's about the whole. And I think that it's very important that we consider the whole and, uh, um, and say, no, no, we don't want that. We want a sober life. We want a healthy life. Um, yeah, we want to move forward, not backward. Well, I so appreciate you joining us on the podcast today, Vicki, and sharing your thoughts and opinions and what you've learned in your research about legalized marijuana so far. Thank you for listening.